This is the second time I've brought a guest back for a repeat performance, so to speak. This time is unusual. I read an Instagram post of Brooke Shaden's and was so moved by what she wrote that I reached out and asked if we could do an entire podcast just around this post. Brooke said yes. This conversation blew me away. I took page after page of notes. I listened and re-listened, and I'm still integrating what I learned. I imagine I will be for a long time to come. May this conversation help you discover how to live a life and build a business guided by what is most true for you. Hi, I'm Daphne Cohn, founder of the Creativity Habit Collective, where artists and makers come together in community to get what they need so that they can make what they must through gatherings, circles, teaching seminars, workshops, a place to form deep connections, friendship, and get all the support, love, inspiration, and courage you need to go out into the world and share all of who you are and what you make. You can learn more at thecreativityhabit.com. And you're listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Today's guest is photographer and teacher, Brooke Shaden. Some things that we talk about are making every decision, everyone, around what matters most and what's most true, how to trust your voice above anyone else's, how to practice bravery, and saying and making what's important and how it can change your entire career and life. May it inspire you to make your thing and change your world. Welcome back, Brooke, to the Creativity Habit Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. I am too. So I've never done this before. And what is going to happen this time is I am going to ask you questions around one specific thing. And that is a post that you wrote. And so this is a very targeted episode. And the reason I'm doing this is because it happens to be on a topic that I am very fascinated by and really uh it's actually how I want to live my life so that's why I want to ask you about it so I'm going to just dive in and read the post that you shared on Instagram and then we'll go on to the questions around it great you wrote I'm very very happy I just moved into a house in a big pine forest where I finally feel totally at home I've got something coming up in my personal life that I've been waiting for a while now, nearly a year, and I'm not patient. And I've got jobs on the horizon that I know I'm very fortunate to have. I've got support behind my career from companies I admire, but most of all, I have support in fulfilling my legacy because of you. Sure, I deal with anxiety, and sure, I have some bad days, but I've spent the past decade, my adulthood outside of college, creating this life very intentionally from marketing and branding my business to making every decision, business and personal, out of what could possibly bring me and others maximum fulfillment. And I mean every decision, and I'm filled with joy. First thing I wanna do is get a little clarity around the terms. So when you say maximum fulfillment, Mm -hmm. what does that mean to you? To me, it's, It's a matter of sort of finding that balance between where I'm uncomfortable and where I'm comfortable so that I'm constantly in a state of pushing myself, but then finding the comfort and joy in that change and that challenge. So I guess that's not like a traditional way of answering the question you just asked me, but, um, but yeah, that, that for me is like that, that maximum joy, maximum fulfillment is pushing myself, but finding the peace in that. Okay, that already, like, yes, it's true. That is not a typical answer. So just that, so your fulfillment comes when you have that balance between I'm comfortable here, but I'm not. Like, what, what is it about walking that line that is so important to you? I, well, I have this idea like very much ingrained in me, which isn't always a good thing, but I have this idea ingrained in me that the most important 
special people that have ever lived are the people who are constantly pushing themselves, but then finding comfort in that. And, and like, you can look at any person in the world who's ever existed, who has done something just like amazing and world changing. And they didn't just sit around and they did things that certainly made them uncomfortable, that brought them maybe a lot of fear, but also a lot of joy. And I want to be somebody who lives my life like that, who makes an impact on the world, but then also is joyful in that process. Because I think a lot of us have this idea of like, I want to do something important. And then we do so much to get to that place that we aren't enjoying our lives at all because it's so stressful. It's so upsetting or we're getting, you know, negative feedback. And, um, and then the opposite of that is that there are plenty of people who don't attempt to make any difference in the world and there's no growth and there's no real living involved in that process. So I want to find the balance between those two things of pushing myself, but then really just being in the moment and finding the joy there too. First, I want to ask you about the, this idea of finding comfort in the uncomfortable. Yeah. What does that look like for you? Like how, how does it look to find comfort in that? And I guess actually I'll back it up a little. When you say uncomfortable, do you mean Like, what do you mean by uncomfortable? What feels uncomfortable to you? Like a good example in my life has been um, public speaking, for example, because I am extraordinarily antisocial and very shy and highly introverted. I have a lot of social anxiety issues. So for me, you know, like becoming a motivational speaker was like a horrible endeavor because I thought, how could I ever... I mean, I, I don't, I have things to say, but I don't want to have to say them in front of people. So for me, there was this balance in that process of saying, okay, I may not want to get up on stage and speak to a room of a thousand people, but I know that what I have to say is important. And I think that at some point you find this, this sort of balance in your life of, I need to do this thing because the benefits of it far outweigh the distress of it. And then once you commit to doing that, you just have to kind of say, you know what, I've committed, like I'm going to do this thing. And if I'm going to be doing it, if I'm going to be placed in this situation, then I might as well make myself as comfortable as I can and really just make yourself at home in that space that you're living in. So, um, so for me, you know, with public speaking, that looked like, well, you know, I I have a memory issue, like a a diagnosed issue. And so I couldn't memorize speeches and I couldn't get up there and like hit every talking point. So I said, I'm going to make myself at home in this place that I'm in and I'm going to do this my way. And I'm going to say whatever comes to my mind and I'm just going to embrace who I am and be comfortable in my discomfort. I get that with something. I mean, already that's, that's huge. And okay, you're, you've committed to say giving a talk. And so it's like, okay, how am I gonna get comfortable in this? And I've already committed, so I'm doing it. But you talk about it with every decision. So I'm thinking, how do you have that same commitment to being uncomfortable when nobody's holding you to it, when you don't have a speaking engagement where people are depending on you? You know, that's a really, really good question. And this is where my way of thinking often is very different from other people. And I think it partially it's the standard that I hold my life to because I like, for example, I see my legacy as like the thing that I want to leave behind in the world as um, inspiring others to live their authentic life, whatever that means, whether that's in creativity or otherwise. And because I have, I hold myself to that standard of, of fulfilling that legacy, it's very simple for me to see every decision as acting toward that legacy because I know that at any moment, just simply my actions could influence somebody else, whether it's a neighbor walking down the street, somebody on the internet, a person in a talk, it it could be anybody. So I want to sort of get to the end of my life and be able to say, I made every decision based on how I could fulfill my legacy rather than knowing that there were certain decisions that I shied away from that in the end didn't fulfill my legacy, but maybe were easier. Let's take something like a neighbor walking down the street. Yeah. Because it, it's helpful to make it into the small moments. I think it's a lot easier sometimes for us to get it in the big moments. But you're, 
I don't know, maybe you're also, you're walking down the street and you pass the neighbor. What in that moment are you choosing in order to both live out your legacy and, and experience Max? Right, right. And you know what, like a great example of this is this very awkward thing that I do at restaurants, which I think my friends are horrified by sometimes, but um, I'm, I'm not a person who can make small talk. So whether it's a neighbor or a waiter at a restaurant or whatever, um, I have a really hard time just saying, hi, how are you? And I know that if I'm in a position where like I've got up the courage to actually say something. Cause again, often I, you know, sort of cower into myself in social situations. Um, I would rather ask something that's meaningful and that sparks a good conversation. So I'm much more likely to, you know, like say to a waiter at a restaurant, um, like, hi, how are you to be, you know, like socially normal in some way. And then to follow up with that by saying like, what's your greatest passion in life? Or like, what's made you really joyful this week or something like that. And that's, I guess just like a small example of how it can be so impactful to just say what you're really thinking and to do what you really want to do, because often that's what other people really want to do and say as well. Did you come this way or were there things that you had to unlearn or learn in order to step more into this? Oh yeah, definitely. Gosh, I like, I grew up as someone who was, who thought that I was super normal and like really reveled in that normalcy and wanted to be super responsible and make all the right choices and just like live a quiet life, um, you know, where I didn't really do much of anything. And I don't know why I grew up that way. I just, I just felt like that was the role that I was supposed to fulfill in my family. And it took a sort of like an awakening of realizing that the weird stuff that I think about and that I want to make art about uh, might resonate with people. So I think that there's always a moment in our lives, whether you're born weird or you come into your weirdness, where you have to say, is are the things that I think that maybe I keep to myself, are they worth sharing with the world? And the answer is always yes, but it's hard to sometimes make that leap. You say the answer is always yes. How, how do you say that with so much certainty? Because it feels like I can sit here on my side going, well, Brooke says it's always yes, but I don't know. You know what? The funny thing that I think about a lot is that I hear this all the time. Like people saying, well, you say this, but (laughs) you know, like, I don't really like, what if that's not true for me? And you know what, if you think it's not true, or if you have that doubt, then it's not true for you. And, and the only barrier is saying it is true for me and then committing to that. And honestly, I attribute my entire career based on that thought that I believe that what I have to say is important, no matter what it is or how I do it. And if you have that belief, then people pick up on that and people, you know, are drawn to your confidence and your, whatever curiosity you bring with you in your life, whatever direction that takes you in, people will be interested because there are billions of people in the world and there are so many different types of us. So it stands to reason that somebody wants to hear what you have to say. It might not be mass amounts of people, but certainly there's a group of people who will benefit from hearing what you have to say. Yeah. And really the alternative is what to not say it. I mean, exactly. And there's exactly. And my mom used to always say to me, like, like you can do this or you can not do this, but there's no benefit to not doing it. And there you stand to benefit so much from trying something. And I think that's so true. It's like, you know, you can, you can sit around and not share your opinions, not share your art. And that's well and good. But at the end of the day, I really feel a social and artistic responsibility to um, the world because I do believe that what I have to say is important. And I don't mean that from, um, you know, like a self-centered standpoint. I mean it from the standpoint of like, we all have valid opinions and it's selfish in my opinion to hold that back and assume that you can't help somebody. I think something that's really important to say here is it doesn't mean that when you share that, that everybody is going to love it. And I say that in particular, because I know with you, you have gotten so much feedback that goes both ways, like really positive, really negative. And I just think, and yet that doesn't take away for you from the sense of, I have something important to say. 
Right. And like some of that is from experience and it's, I, I feel really fortunate to have had certain experiences that let me know that I'm doing something important because a lot of people don't get that feedback just based on whoever your inner circle is or your larger circle. And I've had really meaningful experiences where, you know, like I'll release an image and then a year later, somebody shares with me, you know, like, um, I was really struggling with depression and I wanted to kill myself, but I didn't because I felt like you understood me through your art. And moments like that don't happen for everybody. And I recognize the privilege that I have in that space, that are, especially that artistic space. But that doesn't mean that your art won't conjure those feelings for somebody else. You just may never know about it. So if we go back in time a little bit, so you you said that you consciously created this, like you, you made this decision 10 years in the past decade, you know, 10 years ago yeah. to live your life very intentionally and to live with this sense of, okay, I'm going to get comfortable in the uncomfortable and I'm going to choose everything for maximum fulfillment. Yeah. Where was the starting point in that? Like what was there a starting point, a series of starting points? How did that begin to grow inside of you? Yeah, definitely. Um, my, my, my big like starting point in terms of creativity and becoming a full-fledged adult really was um, when I met my husband when we were 16. And um, within a few months of knowing each other, we said, I want to marry you. And from that moment on, we were dedicated to that cause and uh, with a lot of resistance from family and whatnot. And, you know, people said, but you're 16, just date other people. You know, we had never really done that. And, um, and I was super committed to that. And that sort of commitment and just sort of making a decision that feels right for you in that moment can open the floodgates for tons more decisions to come through. And this is a principle that I follow now, which is that when you practice bravery, you become brave. I mean, that's just what happens. So when you make a choice that benefits you, that feels right, that's a brave thing to do most often. And it allows you to build the confidence just by committing to something to allow all of these braver decisions to happen in your life. And what about when you make the decision and then you waver where like what what do you draw on from inside to say yeah yeah i'm i'm not sure and i'm doing it anyway i think that you know i i have a lot of friends um who say this all the time like well i could move to utah i could take this other job i could do this but how do i know it'll be better and and that's the thing is that you don't know but but life is a constant state of flux. So why focus so much on what's happening right now when inevitably it will be different a few years down the line? I would rather make those choices for myself than wait for life to knock me off my path for whatever most likely bad reason it's going to do that. So yeah, it might not work out. It might not be as good, but but life is changed. So just go back to your old life if something doesn't work out. That's almost always a possibility. In the example with the waiter, would it be like, okay, I'm going to ask this question. I'm a little scared to ask it, but if it doesn't go well, that's cool. I'll just reassess or that'll just be what it is. Like, do you have that? Is that how you reason with the fear when it's there? Yes. You know, the, I, this is what I do. I'm scared of a lot of things and I recognize, I know that in myself. I'm like really scared to do, to talk to anybody um, pretty much ever. And so what I always tell myself is I don't matter. Like this doesn't matter. And that's really the truth is that we are just these little human beings who have a great capacity to change the world, but who also are fairly insignificant in many of life's day-to-day -day moments. So I always think like if I ask this question and, and he thinks I'm crazy and just walks away, well, then that's one moment in my life that we will both forget about and it won't make any impact either way. So who cares? I can see how you mean every decision in the sense of whether you're talking to the waiter or you're about, you're committing to speaking before a large group of people. Mm -hmm. There's something I want to dive into here around this idea, like every decision, like everyone. 
Well, and that's where I think that I'm not necessarily so healthy because like mm-hmm. even the decision to sit down and watch Star Trek at the end of the day, which I love doing is, oh, it's a constant battle of like, could, instead of making this choice, could I make a different choice that could somehow benefit you know, like my business or the world or my friends or something like that. And, and at some point you have to recognize that even the choices like watching Star Trek at the end of the day, do better the world because you're helping yourself get to a place of reset and rest. And so I do really think about every choice and it's very bothersome to my family. And, you know, they are constantly saying, can you just calm down? Like, can you just stop for a second, like thinking about these bigger questions. And I wish that I could, and I think that it's healthy not to in, in some cases, but I really do, I'm, I'm pretty much constantly considering that. Wow. That's amazing. It's annoying though, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, okay, so maybe it's annoying to those who are closest to you, but there's something about all in. Like, yeah here's the thing. Yes. You, you know, you say it's annoying to people and yet at the same time in your post, you say, and I'm filled with joy. So this is yeah. what brings you joy. It is. Yeah. I'm, I'm most joyful when I'm in control. And I think that a lot of this perhaps like sh- if we should turn this into a therapy session goes back to, um, you know, like my, desire to always have control over everything. So if I can make a decision and, and even better, if that's a bold decision, then I feel like I'm fully in control. And I love that feeling so much. Here's what I, I want to point out though, because it's easy to hear you say things like, okay, yes, I want to be in control and it's annoying to people. And then it's easy to kind of write it off and say, well, look at that. So it's because she always wants to be in control or it's, and it's not always so great because she doesn't give herself the break. Yeah. And when we do that, we do a disservice, I think, to the point that you're making, to the, the way that you're choosing to live your life, which is a pretty incredible example of what's possible as a human, that one can choose to have everything, or if you don't want it to be everything, However, like close to everything, all around, what will bring me maximum fulfillment and others? You know, I mean, part of what brings you maximum fulfillment is that it brings fulfillment to others. Yes. And I'm I'm wondering with that, I feel that you must have had to unlearn ways of being, or maybe it's that you just had to learn. I don't know, but... I get that you saw yourself as normal and then realized you're not, but there's more to that. It's like, yeah. Do you feel that there was a lot more that you had to consciously learn or unlearn? Yeah. I think that the biggest thing is that a lot of people, depending on your culture, of course, are sort of taught not to be ostentatious, to not like put yourself out there, to not be really Uh, like dedicated to yourself, I guess. And I had to unlearn that. And that was the big thing is that I've always been really decisive. I've always sort of known what I wanted, which has been a huge blessing. But at the same time, you know, you're taught like, well, make decisions, decisions for the betterment of others. And, um, you know, like don't assert yourself so much because, you know, then you're seen as, you know, bad words. And, um, and I've really grown a lot from the time I was, you know, a teenager to now, and especially in the last 10 years, I've really seen the power in just accepting that you can say what you want to say in a nice way and still get your opinion out there. And you're not going to be considered like, you know, a horrible person if you have something to say. And in fact, just by saying something, you know, by saying your opinion, creating the art that you want, you automatically become someone else's permission. And that's really like the crux of when I make my decisions. I always consider like, will my doing this thing give somebody else permission to do the same thing? And that's what drives me to be bold and to say the things that I want to say and to to make those choices. So it's something that I unlearned certainly from my culture from growing up is um, don't shy away from just saying the things that you need to say. And do you ever feel like 
there's more I want to say, but I, I can't even get there yet. I mean, yes, <laughs> absolutely. This has been a huge topic on my mind lately. Um, because there are, there are a lot of things that I don't talk about and you can see for anybody, however you share your work or you create art, you start to fall into these patterns of like things that were at one time controversial or uncomfortable for you that have now become commonplace. So for me, that was like talking about mental health used to be, I used to get so much anxiety about doing that. And now it's like an everyday experience for me, which is great on one hand, because I've, you know, gotten to the place where I can sort of advocate for certain things and I've found my voice there, but there are other things that I just so badly wish I could talk about that I haven't gotten the courage to do yet that I'm always working toward. And there are causes to me, like I'm vegan and I'm so passionate about animal rights and animal cruelty. And I never talk about it because I know that the backlash is harsh and really fast. And so I'm always really shy to bring that up and other things, you know, that I practice or believe in my life that I just, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to do that yet. Let's take vegan as an example, veganism as an example. Like, do you see yourself then knowing that your life is about this question of what will bring you maximum fulfillment and that that is about being comfortable with the uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. Do you then see yourself, okay, eventually I'm going to say a little bit here. Like, like, how do you know when you're ready to venture into the next brave thing you know for me it kind of gets tied up in a bow with when my art catches up to a place where my brain is in a sense like when i'm when i start to create works that feel honest and authentic that's when i kind of know that i'm ready because usually my brain and my thoughts and my writing are about 10 steps ahead of my art and so like i'm you know i've i've been vegan for eight years i'm ready to talk about it i know a lot about it i'm I'm ready in my head, but I don't have the right visuals yet to create that work. And I feel like my argument and my position will be better backed up when I have the whole package together. And so for me, it's a lot of times just, is everything ready? Like, is my artistic sensibility ready to match where my thoughts are right now? And how can I put that out there in an intelligent and compassionate way, which is always what I'm trying to do. So it's leaping, but it's leaping with awareness. Yes. Uh, and that's another thing that like we really can't not touch on if we're going to talk about, you know, fulfillment, which is that I am hyper aware of myself in ways that I think that a lot of people are not. And I study how I can be more aware. I practice it every day. I'm, I tend to have not a lot of book smarts at all, you know, but I'm very emotionally intelligent. So I take that as a point of pride and also something that I love coaching people to sort of cultivate a little bit more of is just finding that self-awareness so that you can get to a point where you're making bolder decisions. Say a little more about how you study, how you can become more aware, how you are more aware. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's really simple, like as simple as like yesterday, for example, I just, I was, my emotions were all over the place from like crying at a Hallmark card in Target to like being really angry at somebody for no reason. And, and I, in the moment, I just, like, I just switched off and I said, wait, something's wrong. Like something is going on inside of me today that isn't normal. And I need to pinpoint what triggered this. And, and I kind of have that ability to just sort of stop in the moment and try to figure myself out. And once you become sort of like you commit to a practice of doing that, like you have an emotion, it feels a little weird, just stopping that and being able to assess it. That's one of the big ways that I really try to study and practice myself is just like stopping in the moment and figuring it out. For example, here's the next like brave thing for me to do, and I'm going to be present to know when it's the time, and it's yeah. not like the time, and that's okay, because I'm doing these other uncomfortable things that I'm getting comfortable with. Right. And I think a lot of that is sort of overcoming your own shame, anxiety, and, and dishonesty with yourself, which I think is 
really like the heart of why people don't fulfill their legacy or why people hold themselves back from making decisions because you haven't really worked through those, whatever narrative you're telling yourself that holds you back or whatever emotions that you feel hold you back. It's all about working through those, finding the honesty with yourself, getting rid of the shame that holds you back from being honest with yourself and then moving forward. When you say honest with yourself, do you mean if I say to myself, for example, I don't really have anything important to say, well, that's not being honest with myself. Is, right. that, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, that and many other things, like even really practical things like, um, well, I can't leave my job because of whatever excuses. And often that's a, a story that you're telling yourself. It's like, well, I won't find another job. Well, that's just a story that you're telling yourself or, well, I don't have enough skills. Well, you know, that's another story. So I tend to think that most even practical decisions um, are either made out of honesty or dishonesty based on the narrative you're telling yourself. As you're doing this, like practicing this all the time, how are you finding calm for like your physically and emotionally? I mean, I, and that's part of what you're saying about finding comfort in the discomfort mm -hmm. so that the system doesn't get so disrupted. It goes too far in one direction. You know yeah. What I'm yeah. And well, I think that everybody has to have that balance and some people are better at it than I am for sure. But um, okay, this is a weird example, but um, probably most people know about the five love languages, right? Mm -hmm. So to me, this process of understanding yourself and making bold decisions is kind of like understanding your love language in that like I feel like I love myself the most from a really genuine point of view when I am at my boldest and when I've done something revolutionary. So for me, it's kind of like it's very comforting to make these decisions that I'm uncomfortable with because I find more and more pride in myself when I do that. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes total sense. Are there things that you put in place in your life to ensure that like you keep moving in this direction or is it just so automatic? And if, or were there things in the beginning to make sure that you kind of ran these decisions through this question? I think that this is kind of like a multi-answer question because there, I definitely have always been driven, like very, very much so. So there's this natural drive that I think I've always had and I'm really, I feel really fortunate to have had on my side. But in terms of like making those decisions and keeping going, I know that there are so many people who just struggle with getting themselves out there and doing it day after day without the promise of a reward. And I think that part of the conversation should actually be about your money mindset and your business mindset and sort of like finding the ways that you can get more comfortable with success so that if and when it does come, that really is a motivator and you feel really proud of those moments because we sort of, I, I know that I have spoken to uh, so many people who refuse to charge for their work, who are uncomfortable with marketing and branding, who sort of shy away from the things that I find great reward in. And I think that the more we can embrace the business side of things and like putting our art out there and being proud of the way that we're doing that, then that in itself is a catalyst to keep going. That's what you mean by having it be a motivator, that the success is a motivator for more. Yeah. And in tiny ways, like I'm, I'm not talking about like, oh my gosh, a huge company just booked me for a job. I'm talking like, I like I, I set goals for myself that are incredibly small and I celebrate everything like to the extreme. So I, and we'll just use like a really common example. Like, let's say that you're on social media and you're trying to build your following on social media, which is like a, makes me want to vomit type of conversation, but nonetheless. So we're, we're trying to do that. And and I remember like I got on Facebook, you know, and, and I, I was so like, this was nine years ago and I was so embarrassed to do it. Like, oh, nobody's going to follow me. And this is like, no one's going to care. And I'm just going to be there talking to myself. And I remember when I got my first 20 followers and like, like five of them were not just people in the office I was working with. And I was prouder than punch. Like I couldn't believe it. I celebrated that hardcore. And then, you know, like a week later I got to a hundred. 
boom, like went out to dinner to celebrate that. And then every hundred after that, and then every thousand and then every hundred thousand. And, and it just, you grow with your success. And so you start to celebrate whatever feels like it's happy in the moment. And I do that naturally. And I, I really do it, you know, like I've got cookies on standby. I'm ready to celebrate. (laughs) That's so awesome. What about that conversation, though, about growing social media and stuff makes you want to vomit? Because that is an active part of your marketing. It is. And I love social media, let me say. And it's really just this idea of, like, I've got to grow the follower count. I'm using air quotes. You can't see me, but I am. Because follower is, like... I just, I hate this idea that there's like this one person and then all these sheeple just like following along behind them. And to me, it like, I see social media as like this big, huge circle. And so really it's just like bringing people into the fold and creating this active community. So that's the thing that I love to talk about. Not so much like counting followers. And that's why that was a fairly bad example. Okay. Got it. Now that makes sense. Okay. So then there's the pieces that I hear, I just want to come back to them and see if I'm missing anything. So first mm-hmm. of all, there's the decision. Well, even before the decision, it sounds like there's that clarity of this is my why. This yes. is I'm doing everything from this place. And we did talk about that in the in the first interview. Yeah. It's like this is the why. And then from that comes this decision. Everything I do as I build my business and my life is around this why. Yes. And and then the bravery piece of being uncomfortable and then getting comfortable with the uncomfortable is all in service to that why. You couldn't have said it better. I mean, that's, that's, if you take nothing else away from this, it's that idea that if you can figure out why you exist, like you're the core of your being, the service that you are providing to other people and to yourself, if you can come up with that one sentence and then check all of your decisions against that sentence, then necessarily all your choices will bring fulfillment. And that's really like, it can be summed up as that simple. Before I see what, if there's more, is there more that you feel right now in this moment? Like, yeah, I want to, I want to speak to this. Hmm. Man, we've really run the gamut. We have, and I think it's still, even though we've run the gamut, it's like, I feel like the way you're choosing to live is such a revolutionary act. Like it's so different than how we think about living a life that somehow I feel like we've run the gamut, but we're still on the surface of it. Right. I, I agree. And it's like, I think part of it is also that this might be a total sidetrack, but part of it is also sort of like the the quiet decisions, I think, that we don't think of too often as being bold. But like, for example, uh, I, I moved to LA when I graduated college and my goal was to be a filmmaker. And I made a choice really early on, even though I had just graduated with all this debt and I was going to be a filmmaker, that I was just not going to do it. You know, and it was like this decision of, in order for me to be happy every day, I knew that I could not be around people. And that wasn't a decision that made me uncomfortable in the traditional sense, because obviously being a filmmaker would make me uncomfortable. But it was a decision that had a lot of uncertainty around it, because you just graduate from college, you've got this debt, how am I going to make a living? Well, suddenly I'm not going to do the only thing that I've been trained to do. And I think that there's a lot of bravery in those decisions as well. And that's really where I see the biggest problem in people is that they're not willing to make those choices, those choices that may seem selfish or scary because it might bring them happiness. And that's really where I thrive is like, okay, I moved to LA. I'm not going to be a filmmaker. I'm in LA. I hate LA. So I'm going to move to a little tiny town in the middle of nowhere where I don't know anybody, not, not one person. And that's another choice that makes me happy but it's still born out of bravery because even though it's what I want, it's a scary thing to do and, um, and a selfish thing to do perhaps in the eyes of other people. So So yeah, that was just a tangent. No, it's not a tangent. Actually, I think it's really important because I think it is something that's at the core of this, which is so much of this comes from your ability to trust yourself. 
and your ability to make yourself happy. Like the happier you can make the, the core of your life, then the easier it feels to make bold choices because you have this beautiful life to fall back on. You know, the people that I know who are most dissatisfied in their life are the people who don't have that happiness at their core. They're unhappy with where they live, with their job, with their family, and they are not willing to change those very core things in their life. So of course they're not ready to make bigger, bolder choices because that core isn't set right. So that comes back to the self-awareness. Yeah. It takes a lot of times tremendous self-awareness to even know what it is that makes us happy. Right. And that's where it requires just testing the waters. And that's difficult for a lot of people, but it can be done in small ways. Like I remember when I lived in LA, I just, I hate cities. I'm not a city person. And I lived in right in the middle of LA. It was chaotic. I had a stomach ache every morning when I woke up. And so I said, you know, why don't I just keep the same job that I have, but we'll just move further outside of the city and I'll commute. And, and instantly I felt better. I stopped getting stomach aches every morning. I just it just felt right. And, and so I didn't have to leave LA. I didn't have to leave my job, but you just make a choice that you think might help you and then see if it does or it doesn't. And honestly, most things are not catastrophic in nature. So most people, you know, at least if you, if you do have some fortune, then you have someone to lean back on or somebody who can help you or, you know, life has a way of sort of bouncing back in very interesting ways. Okay. That's, that's like a turning point right there, which is that what I hear you saying is besides just that it's experimentation, you're constantly paying attention and experimenting. It's this going inward of, Hmm, how did that make me feel? Hmm. How did that make me feel? As opposed to going outward and saying, gosh, I don't know. I don't really like LA. Do you think I should stay in LA? I don't right. know if says I should stay in LA because this is the place I'm going to stay anyway, even though every morning I wake up with a stomach ache. It's, yeah turning the compass inward and yeah. then just being really vigilant in your attention to what right. Yeah. And that's why you were totally right in saying that it's all about trust. It's about finding the, a way to trust yourself more than others. And that's kind of what I've always said to people is that I always trust myself more than anyone else, unless it's like a math problem. I pretty much <laughs> always trust myself. And the people who I know who are most dissatisfied are the people who ask for the most opinions outside of their own. And I think that can be really unhealthy. When do you go to the outside and opinions of others very rarely um i you know i might ask for people's opinions about you know do you like this thing in my art or this thing better or whatever but there's this running joke with my friends of like if brooke's asking your opinion then she already knows the answer because i always end up just going with my gut anyway and i rarely take somebody else's opinion and that can sound selfish and I do think that there's a benefit to getting advice from other people, but I think that the benefit of trusting yourself far outweighs that. So I really can't think of anything that I, that I ask opinions on very seriously. I think that actually took it from feeling on the surface to going beneath. And I think it was that piece was like, yeah, I get it. You figure out your why you ask you know, you make the decisions in service to the why, and yet there was something that wasn't there yet. And it's that it's the ability to both trust yourself above all others and to this, to constantly be in this place of watching and experimenting. Yeah, it is. It's that, it's that balancing act of, you know, like trust yourself, but then reassess and how did this make me feel and then course correct. And when you do that enough times, I mean, you, I think that, I think probably it's surprising how fast people learn to trust themselves because usually your gut isn't wrong. Um, and, and usually you have this internal compass of, you know, what's right and you know, what's wrong, you know, what makes you feel good and you know, what makes you feel bad. It is about unlearning all the things that you think you're supposed to do. Like you're supposed to have a traditional family or live in a certain place or be of service to others in a specific way. And, and I think that all of those ways of thinking, any, any sentence that, you know, starts with you're supposed to is probably going to pull you in the wrong direction. And also I think for the times when we feel like, well, I don't know, I don't know if that's my gut feeling or I don't know if that's fear. 
then again, it's that, well, then just try. And see what yeah, happens. exactly. Just try. And, and the simple act of trying, whether you fail or succeed, will inspire other people to try. And we can't discount that because that's how we make an impact in the world. I mean, I have this policy, and this is kind of a random example, but whenever I teach a workshop about photography, I have this policy that I'll never come into that workshop and create a picture that I've already made before because I want that, that moment of experimentation and possibly failure because even if I'm editing a photo, it doesn't come together it's a total flop. At least that gives everyone in that class permission to also fail. And I think that's vital in the process of being human is failing, succeeding. Either way, you're giving people permission to do the same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then I think back to what you said about being honest with ourselves and noticing when we're dishonest because we can say to ourselves, well, that's just too scary. Or I don't know what will happen if I ask the waiter about his or her passions instead yeah. of what's on the menu. And it's like, well, if we're honest with ourselves, then oh, that's just an excuse because I'm scared. Mm -hmm. But I could try it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's very little harm in doing that. Okay, now it, it feels whole to me. Like I feel like we've we filled in the circle, but is there more that, that I haven't asked you about? No, I think, I think that really was the heart of it is, is just that decisiveness and committing to yourself, you know, instead of committing to other people's opinions. I think that's it. Okay, so last one last question around that, which is, and maybe this doesn't come up for you, but when you say, no, this is the decision I'm making, and then people say, you can't, that's terrible. That's a bad decision. <laughs> Do you, does that even come up for you? Do you care if that comes up? How do it does come up, but I don't care. And um, I mean, this has happened especially in the last year of my life. And I can't talk about why exactly yet, but I've had a lot of people based around one decision that I made just say, this is the wrong choice. You shouldn't do this. This is going to be bad for you. This is going to cause heartache. And, um, and, but the thing is that I don't tell people about a decision that I've made until I'm sure about it. So I, I try never to go into a situation where I feel uncertain about myself uh, doing something unless, you know, unless I really, really need help. But um, so, yeah, it happens fairly frequently. People say, are you crazy for doing this? You know, like this is a risk. This is bad. This is going to be terrible. But I think that mostly that just comes from their own insecurities. And you have to really, especially in the last year, I've thought a lot about how we have to consider the life that that person has led and the decisions that they've made and the circumstances that make them who they are. And they may just not be in a position to understand the way that I operate. And that's very likely true that, you know, they're just living in a totally different set of controls that I am. And and that's important to remember because when people say you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, that's a bad decision, they're probably just talking about for them in their life and they don't understand you in your life. Okay, so now I have one more question. Uh -huh. Yes, I think that's a really, really important point. And uh, yes, we have to be aware that somebody is coming from a different place. And if someone comes from a different place and for whatever reason it makes you angry or it makes you sad or it makes you whatever how much energy are you giving the stories of other people and how much of it is really just about, okay, if I have a strong emotion, I'm going to work through it for myself because there's something there for me. Do you mean in terms of like helping that person or taking no, their opinion? Of helping them, but like, say for example, somebody does something that's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe that person did it. And then I can easily spiral down. And I can spend a lot of time on that and yes. it becomes a total waste of my time. Where do you draw the line with, yeah, that could be important. That's important information. And no, I, for, well, for me, it's like, it's just a measure, um, a matter of how much it resonates. And if there's even just a little bit of something that they said that makes me question, you know, how I feel towards something I, I will consider it, but in a, in a very brief way, I tend not to linger on things very frequently. So for me, it's just about, well, you know, like is some part of their life, their experiences, has that given them 
you know, the experience that they need to make that decision that I don't have, you know, that makes them a better voice for that thing that I'm trying to do. And, and if so, then great. And if not, then no. And, and I know that's a really vague answer, but it's, it's, I don't spend a lot of time considering other people's feelings in regard to my life, I guess is my, my right. point. I, I spend an extraordinarily small amount of time. Um, you know, I have a lot of friends who spend most of their time considering other people's opinions and I spend almost no time. Um, but that said, there have been really key moments in my life where I've really truly believed something and then mulled something over for even years and then come to believe something else. So I guess it happens, but not very often. That brings it full circle back to when I read this in the beginning about your of this post and you saying at the end of it, and I'm filled with joy. And it's like, oh, I get it. I get why you're filled with joy. Because not only are you making every decision for maximum fulfillment but you're free yes yeah. oh that that is the heart of it isn't it it's when you start making your own choices and you rely on yourself first and foremost there is such a freedom that comes with that that is unfathomable until you get to that place and once you find it you'll never let it go okay that's perfect that's where we're gonna stop <laughs> um brooke this is awesome i wanted to say for anyone who wants to learn more about Brooke, for you, if you want to see all her images, if you want to just know what she's up to, go to brookeshaden.com and it's B-R-O-O-K-E-S-H-A-D-E-N. And what's your Instagram again? It's the same, just Brooke Shaden. Every day you're posting stories and images and so yeah. there's a lot there. Thank you so much for coming back for this. This was oh, thank you. so great. I got so much from it. It's just really valuable. I really enjoyed it. It's so nice to not be asked about Photoshop. <laughs> Thank you. I'm Daphne Cohn, and you've been listening to the Creativity Habit Podcast. For more conversations with brave and experimental artists and to learn more about the collective, head on over to thecreativityhabit.com. You can follow the Creativity Habit on Instagram at Daphne Cohn. And you can support the podcast and the artists on it by going to iTunes podcast and subscribing, rating, and reviewing this podcast. Every review makes a difference. I know you hear this all the time. If you listen to a lot of podcasts, you'll hear it from probably every podcast. And it's true. Every review makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. And the more people who find the podcast, the more people learn about the work that all of these artists and makers are doing. And it helps to spread their message and who they are and what they're doing in the world. So thank you for taking a couple of minutes to leave a review over on iTunes. And thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.